We're back with part two of our conversation with Josh Deck about the link between gut health and alcohol use disorder. If you have not listened to part one, pause this episode and start there. Josh explains how and why over 93% of all health diseases and disorders, including mental and emotional issues, are rooted in an imbalanced gut microbiome. He explained the biggest mistakes we are making, the habits that we think are healthy that are actually working against us, and the very specific steps you need to take to repair the damage and restore balance to your body so that it is capable of healing itself. And we talk about all of the medications that we use to suppress symptoms so that we can feel better and keep going in the short term are actually what's robbing us of long-term vitality. In this episode, we're going to do a deep dive into the specific topic of alcohol. You're going to learn why it's even possible you're still alive if you are drinking hand sanitizer on a nightly basis, and what exactly that means for your liver and your brain. And while your body has an amazing capacity to heal, you may experience worsening symptoms and even new symptoms when you first quit drinking due to latent pathogenic populations that have been suppressed due to consistent sterilization thanks to alcohol. I share my own story of waking up a month into sobriety thinking I have full-blown diabetes, and I talk about what it took to heal. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. Before we begin, I'd like to extend an invitation. I am doing a free live training this week, Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you are still drinking 10 or more drinks per week and have already tried at least once to reset your tolerance by taking a break, and it works for a while, but you keep coming back to this place, and now you are secretly assuming that you're going to have to quit completely because you just evidently cannot stop once you start. Maybe the problem isn't that you just really love to drink. Maybe it's that you just don't know how to be alone with yourself. Living in survival mode conditions you to focus all your energy and attention onto external problems. And you simply get into the habit of using alcohol to relieve your stress. And so you think your problem is with alcohol. But after helping hundreds of women stop over drinking by focusing on their mental health and happiness and stress relief instead of sobriety, I can tell you for sure it's not about the alcohol. You don't have to quit drinking forever. You simply need to learn how to reconnect with yourself sober so you can enjoy yourself with or without a drink in your hand. 
When you change your perception of self-care, over-drinking simply loses its appeal because it's not self-care. So clear your calendar for this Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hit the pause button right now and get into the show notes and click the link to snag your spot. You will walk away with a crystal clear understanding of how overdrinking has become a habit and the action steps you need to take that will quickly break your habit. My evidence-based accelerated recovery process is a complete holistic strategy that will help you achieve emotional sobriety so that you never have to start over again. Like just consider what it would be like to go through this holiday season and not wake up in January feeling exhausted and hungover. This training is a workshop, so bring a notebook to take notes and allow me to guide you to a new perspective that reconnects you with your higher self and sense of purpose so that you can reclaim your power over alcohol. I hope to see you Thursday. And now let's get back to our conversation with Josh. Can you talk a little bit about alcohol's impact on the gut if anybody needs any motivation? (laughs) Of course. And I don't always advocate, of course, you know, shame as motivation, but definitely education. And I love that you do that a lot on your show here. It's let's educate people and ultimately we can make our own choices. I mean, I've dealt with addiction in the past, different kinds of addiction, and it really does come down to choices and educating myself on the ramifications of these things. And so we look at bacteria in the gut. We talked about this 100 trillion, 18 million varieties, two to 3% of your body weight, more important than your DNA, in my opinion. They integrate with every cell. There's not one cell in your body not influenced in some way by your gut bacteria, directly or indirectly. But what's one of the number one things that we use alcohol for, if not for socialization or addiction or commiseration? Hand sanitizer. Sanitization, exactly. And the danger of that. In microbiology, sanitization, which is to say sterilization, right? It's a process that removes, kills, or deactivates all forms of life and other biological agents present or on a specific surface, object, fluid, whatever it is. That's the sciency definition to say kills everything that's alive. And so when we drink, there is a small percentage of alcohol that can absorb through the mouth and the mucous membranes. It's actually very similar, your cheeks, gums, and all that. It's a very similar tissue to your gut. That's what the insides of your intestines would feel like. And so some will absorb through the mouth, but some of what we get also absorbs in the intestines and all that, but some also absorbs in the stomach and the intestines. But what's interesting, the majority will absorb in your small intestine when it gets there. Now, alcohol is another thing that crosses a blood brain barrier, right? It's this very sacred passage between your blood and your brain. It's very selective, the highest level of scrutiny, but alcohol can pass that blood brain barrier getting into the brain and actually causing some issues. Now, we know we also have microbiomes, not just in our gut, but everywhere in your mouth, your skin, nose, rectally, vaginally, eyebrows, hair, they're everywhere. And so everything is affected and they all communicate as well. Your microbiomes from one neighborhood to the next, they all communicate. And so if we know alcohol is a sterilizing agent that we put in the mouth, we can sterilize some of the good microbes in our mouth. And so it gets in there, 
gets into the stomach and the large intestine, absorbing most in the small intestine. But most of our gut bacteria, when we follow the chain, stomach, small intestine, large intestine, most of our bacteria, something like 90% is actually in the large intestine. Now, imagine if we just took alcohol and poured it directly on our microbes in our intestines, it would completely wipe everything out. It's very dangerous. But we have this really cool defense mechanism between our stomach and our small intestine called toll-like receptors. There's, I think, nine of them in the body, but these ones are called toll-like receptor four, and they stand guard like, like soldiers. And they will picture the, the great British soldiers, right, with their red hat or their red suits and big furry hats. They stand there and say, you shall not pass. They're kind of like Gandalf. And when we take certain things in, these receptors can create leaky gut to wash things out. Leaky gut is a defense mechanism. And so if I eat something I shouldn't, and within five, 10 minutes, your bowels get really loose. That's what happened. Your body said, okay, this isn't good. It opens the floodgates, flushes water through like you're hosing down a driveway. But what happens, that means things run through you very quickly, right? Things go very fast. The problem is if we go very fast and bring alcohol through, we now take alcohol and pour it all over our intestines, which are covered in bacteria. That's a problem. We don't want them to die. And so your body actually recognizes this alcohol as such a toxin and such a danger to itself. Instead of running it through to get rid of it, it would rather put it to your brain than to your gut. And that's because we have evidence and studies showing now those toll-like receptors, instead of opening the floodgates and washing it out, they actually stop or slow down the absorption of alcohol so it can process before it gets to your, to your gut bacteria. That's how sacred and important your gut bacteria are. The problem is then it slows the trickle down and it gets into our small intestine, which again is very dangerous. It absorbs. It's only one cell between your small intestine, and your blood and your lymphatics. That's where the alcohol passes through. It gets into your liver, which filters four liters of blood per minute. And if your liver I argue, again, it's one of the most important organs next to your brain and your heart is your liver. We need it for everything, 500 plus chemical functions, hormonal balancing and blood pressure and regulation and digestion and all kinds of stuff. Your liver has a pecking order. It says alcohol is a dangerous toxin. So we have to take care of that first. It halts everything else, every other balancing, hormone balancing, detoxification process to handle the alcohol first. And so your body goes through all these steps to say, please stop putting this poison in my body. It goes to protect your gut bacteria above all else. It would rather infect your blood in your brain with it than let it get to your gut bacteria. But unfortunately, a portion will get through and it will affect your gut. We also know it, it's directly linked to all kinds of issues, creates leaky gut, which is again, the center of almost all diseases in the body. Uh, it can lead to a condition called endotoxemia. And these endotoxins created by your bacteria that are killed off by the alcohol then get to your blood and brain causing inflammation, arthritis, and other diseases. Of course, alcoholic liver disease, we inhibit digestion like we talked about, it slows things down. And alcohol creates systemic inflammation body-wide, damaging tissues and organs all over the place. It's a neurotoxin that can damage brain and brain cells. So there's just, unfortunately, it will save alcohol for the antioxidants. I promise you there are better ways to get antioxidants than drinking a glass of wine. And so that's sort of the systemic gut connection of the alcohol, how dangerous it really is to the body. Your body knows it's a toxin. It would rather affect your brain than your gut. That's amazing. And what I'd love to know is how the fuck I am still alive. <laughs> like how yeah. did I have functioning bowels? How did I you know, manage to go throughout our day? It really speaks to the divine creation that mm -hmm. is our human body because how in the world 
did I manage to keep functioning while I was pouring, you know, half a fifth of vodka into my situation every day? And it's sad. What I'd love to bridge now is some good news. (laughs) You know, let's say you are going to quit drinking and or doing other things. Let's just keep it with alcohol at this point, because we've already talked about what the healing might look like for ulcerative colitis. But let's just say you're an over drinker and you're like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) What does the healing process timeline look like? And what results or benefits might you expect? And how long would it take to see changes if all you do, the only change isolated in this experiment, is that you've stopped drinking alcohol? Number one, of course, you want to reduce the toxins in your body in total. Because we just talked about how toxic alcohol is. So really the process to healing your gut or healing these things and healing your body in general is no different than what we just talked about. It's removing the other toxins. A single drink can be detected in your body for something like 80 or 86 hours. One single drink. That's how long it takes to process this poison. And so for those who have been drinking alcohol for years and years, the first thing we want to do is coddle that liver. Treat it like an absolute baby. And it's really interesting. Your liver we have three, we call three main detox pathways is phase one, two, and three liver detox pathways. And they can be supported with really basic stuff, over-the-counter vitamins and supplements, of course, high quality. I do have on my website, again, a free fatty liver program. I also use a very similar process for alcoholic liver. For those who have either alcoholic fatty liver disease or anything else, we just have to give your body the raw materials it needs to do its job. And in medicine, a lot of the time, we give medications to just mask symptoms. When in reality, we just need to support the body's natural processes. We can't outsmart the body. It is incredible. We have never, there's nothing on earth, in my opinion, more intricately designed and just handcrafted than the human body. It's this incredible piece of machinery. And so we just have to let it do what it was designed to do. And so by supporting it with detoxifying supplementation. And you can get really basic stuff, heavy doses of milk thistle, N-acetylcysteine or NAC. It's a precursor to something called glutathione, which is an extremely powerful, second most powerful antioxidant in the body next to melatonin, which we make during the day and you know to go to sleep. Choline, inositol, really good basic vitamins on top of vitamin B9 or B6, uh, molybdenum. You can buy these vitamin packages that are like alcohol detox or liver detox packages or these supplement vitamins. Again, they're, you can check these free programs. I link to companies I trust. You know, I don't sell anything on my website, just free stuff. And that's what it's about. It's providing the raw materials in the forms of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients to let your body do its natural processes while doing as much as you can to inhibit more toxins coming in. Get a water filter if you can. Get a shower filter, right? Everything that goes on your skin, you may as well put it in your mouth. Hand creams, lotions, perfumes, antiperspirant deodorants, all these things matter. I wash, I'm a bit of a hippie. My wife thinks I'm nuts. I wash my clothes in vinegar, baking soda, and borax. I don't use laundry detergent and they smell great, but that's what it takes to reduce the toxic effects on the body and it will heal itself. Wow. Yeah. And I have healed and it has been a process. One of the, maybe you can speak to a kickback effect or if that's common. When I quit drinking, I, you know, you want to meddle. You, you, you just made it a week or three weeks and you feel because when you're an over drinker, it feels like that's your biggest problem, right? So if you just fix that, everything's going to be well. And there's nothing worse than getting to the other side and realize, no, you just removed the obstacle. Now all the other problems are there. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that I had that bout of 
food poisoning. And what happened for me was about three weeks into sobriety, all of a sudden, bottom line, I thought like I had diabetes or something. I was constantly having this urge to pee and it was very uncomfortable in my bladder. I was spiking low-grade fevers. And I thought, you know, wait a minute, I, where's my trophy? I just quit drinking. Like, how am I not feeling better? I almost was feeling worse. And my naturopath actually said that the, one of these small, tiny little ex- benefits that I may have been experiencing is that the alcohol may have been keeping the E. coli population in my bladder down. Mm-hmm. And so then without, you know, vodka every night, keeping all that clean, now it was time for me to deal with that, which, you know, I have a mindset of, thank God that was exposed. You know, I wouldn't trade and go back to eliminating my symptoms of bladder dysfunction with alcohol. But I imagine that sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Can you speak to that mm. with gut health? Yeah. And I like that, you know, you said, it sort of highlights it for you. When you stop, you can really recognize what's actually going on. When you stop drinking, the E. coli came through. That was a low-grade infection poisoning your body just like the alcohol was that you didn't realize. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had I didn't realize it. When I was in my teens, I had acne all over my back, was on my face. I, I've even, in my adult life, I've had it down my arms. And that's from lymphatics because it turns out I have a candida infection. And I'm a gut specialist and I still recently I got a candida infection due to life and stress and all those things. And, you know, my wife says, why don't you just grab Accutane? And now she's on this functional medicine train. She gets it. But I said, one, it's hard on the liver, but two, my acne is a sign something is wrong. If I cover that symptom, I will not know there's an internal issue and that's going to be a problem down the road. So I'll pay for it now aesthetically to take it on the health end. And so when addressing things about being worse before getting better, sometimes it is like taking the Band-Aid off. You know, it's not always easy. Now, in the case where you've exposed something, maybe the alcohol is suppressing E. coli, yeah, it's going to get worse. That's going to be a case-by-case basis. I see people dealing with gut disease all the time. And that's, I mean, it's what I do for a living. And there are cases where it's nothing but sunshine and rainbows the entire time. Their symptoms start to ease off and they're better. Other people, just like you, we now have exposed something new or a new condition that was being suppressed or the immune system was dealing with A and now that it's done, it can finally deal with B so you're having inflammation elsewhere. But the best thing we can do is support our body. Again, you have microbes in every organ like you had E. coli in the bacteria or in the the bladder. You have bacteria in your bladder that keep those in check. They're kind of like the police in the neighborhood. The E. coli, those are the drug dealers. Right now, even E. coli plays a role in the ecosystem. It's like the crack dealer at the gas station does have a role to play in the economy, whether we like it or not. There's a role there. But if every grocery store was just selling crack, now we have a problem. Right. And so in the same way, our bacteria require this balance. They require harmony. It's not about dominance, it's about harmony. And so your good bacteria were then squash. So it's about getting the right nutrients, getting the right bacterial balance, doing stool tests and checking out to see what's out of balance. You can restore harmony. And then again, your body will heal itself. Now we can go through and take, you know, certain things like antibiotics and to try to get rid of that E. coli, which may be necessary. I, there are, I do have some clients I recommend get antibiotics. You have a C. diff infection. Like we can't manage this easily, naturally go get that treated, but then we have to clean up the aftermath. And so at the end of the day, give your body what it needs, check your microbes are balanced. If you're having inflammation, inquire why. 
That's the biggest thing we can do. So many times you go to the doctor and I say, my, my knees hurt, right? I used to be a personal trainer after I was a paramedic and people would come in all the time and go, well, my doctor wants to give me a knee replacement. I said, I give me three weeks. We'll fix you up. It was an imbalance of the muscles causing too much tension on the, the tendon attached to the kneecap. And that's what was causing this rub, which caused inflammation your doctor wanted to replace. You don't have bad knees. You have dysfunctional knees. In the same way, we have dysfunctional body systems. Well, your bladder's inflamed. Great. You could have taken a pain pill, but you got a urine test and found bacteria. You're having bloat. We can take some over-the-counter anti-bloating medication or anti-diarrheal, but that diarrhea or that bloat is a sign something is wrong. We always have to ask why, rather than just simply accepting the body's making mistakes, I will take drugs to patch my symptoms. Your body is dysfunctional and it's crying for help, but you put tape over its mouth and gone, look, it stopped screaming. So I, I can't hear it. I fixed the problem. And that's not what's happening. We've just masked the cry for help. And it's a very different way of looking at things, but always ask why? So you mentioned a statistic in the beginning, something like 93% of disorders are, are based or root cause in the gut. And mm -hmm. so what I'm hearing is, I know for me, I've been, sometimes I forget like that conversation like these remind me about what I know about gut health, you know, because we just go about our day and we're just in this culture where there's a pill for that, or, you know, it's in your head or, there's nothing you can do, whatever. And so I'm actually really excited to get off this call and perhaps go ahead and have my gut done again because of the bladder issue. And so what that speaks to, what my I want the audience to hear is that almost any chronic problem you're having, whether it be bad knees, whether it be brain fog, whether it be bladder symptoms, that a good course of action, a good step one, if you want to get to the root cause, would be to find a gut health practitioner. 100%. Okay. And it's funny you even mentioned joint pain. I just did an episode on my podcast about joint pain, and I listed four or five very easy reasons we can make the connection why your gut can cause joint pain. Again, well, I have arthritis. No, you don't. Arthro is joint. Itis is inflammation. You have, you're experiencing the symptom of inflammation in your joints. It doesn't come from nowhere. Where does it come from? And you're exactly it. Whatever the disease process is, there's going to be a gut link or there can be a gut link in there somewhere. And so seek a gut health practitioner. I don't, I have no, no horse in this race. You know, I, you guys can see me, see anybody. I do not care, but you have to see someone who specializes in gut. If you have any kind of gut condition, even if it's one of these free programs you find online, if it works for you, right, go to Google and just type in gut health basics, watch a YouTube video, start applying that and then see what your symptoms do. If they start to get better after that, you're on the right track. You know, you're already letting your body heal. It can re-regulate itself very easily. Yeah. I mean, when I first started health coaching, I did gut health and I'd put help people on elimination diets and, you know, some of the basic supplements and mm -hmm. to your point of clearing out all the toxins, you know, it's, it doesn't take a doctor's notepad to eliminate you know, the toxins, <laughs> yes. when you start adding things, that's when you want probably a, a medical professional, but any health coach can guide you into eliminating and then help you deal with the mindset. I love what you said is I will take it on the front end, whether it be aesthetically or inconvenience or feeling deprived because I can't eat the grocery store cake from, you know, for the birthday. Oh. What are you 
where's your value? You know, is that mm -hmm. bite more valuable to you than 40 years of health? And I have personally overcome so many chronic things. Um, and luckily I've been able to nip them at the bud where things get bad enough, they get my attention and I don't choose to do the medication route. I mean, I have, and I learned very quickly, that's not going to cure anything. It really just creates more symptoms because this is a game of whack-a-mole that starts in the gut. And every medication you take is just going to create another problem somewhere else. Every single time. And that's just it. We're masking symptoms of medication. And so not only does the medication itself have a negative impact on the body, which can create deficiencies, uh, birth control, metformin, whatever it is, they draw out vitamins and minerals and leave you depleted. So they will create their own symptoms, but then you're also masking the original problem, which just like the heel of a shoe, like we talked about earlier, that rubs and rubs till it gets blistered and bleeds. And so these, these constant insidious conditions, this is why people will get one medication for acid reflux. Okay. Here's your antacid. Five years later, they got irritable bowel syndrome. The doctor goes, you just have irritable bowel. I'm like, you created irritable bowel. It didn't exist there before, but now the irritable bowel is a problem. Now you have leaky gut. Now you have leaky gut. You have arthritis because your joints are inflamed from the gut bacteria. Now that you have these other issues, the inflammation is pushing through your skin. So you've got psoriasis or eczema. Now you've got allergies because your immune system's on the lurch. And now 10 years later, you've got lupus because your body developed autoimmune conditions from having its glass just overflowed with inflammatory processes. It always starts somewhere. And there's a really great book actually by Dr. Amy Myers called The Autoimmune Solution. And she walks through in a very tangible way. It's, it's great for practitioners who might want to open that door, but for somebody who's never even heard of medicine, it's a brilliant book to even just dive into and start exploring autoimmunity or where these conditions have roots. Even if you don't have an autoimmune condition, she walks through some of these patients she's seen that over the years have developed new conditions time and time after again that stacked on top of each other to make this autoimmune process. So it's uh, also great for identifying early warning stuff and backtracking for yourself, whatever part of that spectrum you're on. Yeah. If you are listening and you don't have any major chronic health issues, but you are living a typical Western lifestyle where you take medications for things and eat kind of normal food, then you have an amazing opportunity to stop it while before you become ill and then really have to dig yourself out of that hole. Mm. Prevention is everything. I mean, had I known what I know now, back when I was in high school, I would have been able to prevent my own gut issues. I would have prevented my mom's surgery. She nearly died. She had a lot of gut issues most of her life that she didn't really, you know, connect to much. She's, you know, a lot of acne growing up, which is the sign of inflammation. Acne is not normal. And when I was, it would have been almost 20 years ago now, we were out one night, she had some McDonald's, she got home, had abdominal pain, no different than she's had the rest of her life. And she's laid on her left side. It wasn't going away. She was getting sicker and she hates the hospital. But thank God for my stepdad. After a couple hours, says, no, we are going. I do not care. I've got a bad feeling. They brought her in, had emergency surgery that night. She perforated her bowel, was actually leaking toxic bowel contents into her abdominal cavity. Doctor said, another couple of hours, you'd be dead. And so she ended up having a resection. They removed, I think, 18 inches of her colon, had a bag for a little while. They put in mesh and she's had nothing but problems since. And prevention really is key because what went from a lifetime of gas and bloat in an instant turned into a perforation and near death experience. And 
I mean, like I said, to this day, 20 years later, she still has all kinds of gut issues. And, and even with me being on her side, there's all kinds of, we live 3,500 kilometers away. I can't baby everything. And it does get very difficult. So even with the best of hands working with you, some doesn't matter who it is. Even if you have active issues, it can still be difficult. Prevention is everything. If you're on the early side of it, that's the best place to start. And, you know, I know, I remember being a teenager, you know, my mom would say, well, this experience will happen, but here's going to be your outcome or take my word for it. She used the analogy. You've never been in this stream before. I'm telling you there is a waterfall and you will fall off the edge. Please listen. And I wouldn't, and shit would go wrong and I'd be in a lot of trouble. And that is prevention. It's key. None of my kids ever listened to a damn thing I said either. <laughs> but to be fair, I didn't listen to my mother. I guess, yep. could you just do a quick statement? Because so we addressed the population who might still be ahead and might motivate themselves to take some action before, you know, the bill comes due and now they've got a real problem. But I also have a lot of listeners who have had the gastric bypass or mm. other surgeries where they've had parts of their bowels removed. Is there hope? You know, I think that hope is very important and especially treating something holistically and naturally and accepting that temporary discomfort or long-term discomfort because you believe there's something on the other side. You know, when it comes to your mother or people who have had permanent things happen to them, is there hope? Well, it's interesting you say that hope is extremely powerful. There was a study done and people don't like rat studies, maybe plug your ears here. They've done some studies in mice and they put them in a glass of water. Like so there's no way out. They're just in this funnel. And after about 15 minutes, the mice just gave up and went to sink to the bottom and then they would get rescued, of course. But then they found after they got rescued, it was something like 16 hours these mice would tread water because there was hope. And so it is such a powerful tool. And I can tell you there absolutely is hope. I see people all the time who have had permanent changes in their body. They've had organs removed, gallbladders removed. I worked with a lady down in Australia. She had her entire bowel removed, her whole large intestine, and she still was able to improve her health and get substantially better. Now, how far you can get better, that really depends on you, depends on your body, your circumstances. Unfortunately, and the thing I just it rots me the most about healthcare, finances. It can be very expensive to fix gut issues. They're very time consuming. Insurance typically does not cover any kind of private healthcare, so people have to pay out of pocket. Uh, and that's why I've created all these free programs is just to give people a place to start. But if you can take it in control of your own hands, maybe you don't have the resources of finances to pay for a program to get someone to help you. But if you don't have money, Make the time as the most valuable resource you have. Go learn, go listen to podcasts, YouTube videos, get into groups on Facebook, find experts who are teaching this stuff and you can figure it out on your own. I figured it out. I don't have formal education, but I'm here teaching doctors as a medical lecturer because I put the pieces together. I mean, I have a medical background, but I'm not a doctor. And so it really is to say that if you're willing to put in the time and you do have the hope doesn't matter if it's a year or five years or 16 years, like the rats are swimming in the glass, you can find an end to it because there is a way. And so no matter what it's been, no matter you had a bowel resection, you have a colostomy bag, you've had, I have a friend who's got no stomach, had the whole thing removed due to a hernia shot up into his rib cage, all kinds of issues, but he's living and thriving. He's a personal trainer. He exercises, but he learned and made adjustments. So hundred percent, no matter what's been done, there is room to improve. Good. This conversation has been fun, enlightening, informative. Can you please tell my listeners where they can find more information about your programs and 
just find you? And you said you had a podcast too. I do. Yeah. I didn't know that. Sorry. Oh, no, you <laughs> don't apologize. <laughs> I, I am biased. I think it's one of the best gut health podcasts on the internet ever. Yeah, it's called Reversible. That's Reverse Able, the ultimate gut health podcast. And we meet with some of the world's most famous doctors and professionals. I mean, Stephen Gundry, William Lee, just the best of the best in the world, talking about not just the gut, but it's how our gut interacts with our bodies and our world and diseases, but also how our world interacts with us. Uh, we've talked to homesteaders and famous farmers about bioregenerative organic farming and all kinds of amazing stuff. And if you just want a route, that's where you can go. Um, everything's available on the website. If you go to reverseable, again, reversiblepod.com forward slash free, or just go to the website, click free stuff. There are free programs there. If you have a question, you can write in or, you know, there's a, a contact me page there as well. If you have anything that we can do for you every Tuesday, you know, we do uh, a short episode, 10 minutes where a listener will write in, Hey, how do I fix acid reflux? I'll do an episode. And then every Friday we do release an interview as well with a, some kind of expert or professional played on that name reversible. I just relaunched my podcast and changed the name. So I just went through that process and that's you're nailing it there. So thank you. Thank you very much. That is an enviable name. Reverse able. It looks great on paper. It's hard to communicate over a podcast, but it looks really good on paper. Oh, I'm sure it does, but I get it. Reverse able. I love Mm -hmm. it. Responsibility. I mean, I love word plays. So (laughs) take charge, Josh. It's been a pleasure, Colleen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out Josh's podcast, Reverse Able, the ultimate gut health podcast. And if you want to hear more from me on a regular basis, or just see me dance around in my pajamas with my German Shepherd, follow me at Recover with Colleen on Instagram, as well as Facebook. I have both a page and a private group. So just search for Recover with Colleen on Facebook and you will find me. I will also put a link for you to sign up for my insider email list in the show notes. And that insider list gives you early bird access to my free and low cost workshops. I offer a breathwork session once a month, as well as a recovery storytelling workshop where I teach you the science behind the art of storytelling so that you can expand your narratives and allow them to evolve with you so that your future is no longer defined by the mistakes of the past. And instead, you begin to see yourself and cultivate a relationship with yourself as someone who is on the hero's journey because you've extracted wisdom from the lessons that you've learned from the hard shit that you've gone through and recognize the value of that wisdom and realize you couldn't be who you are in this moment if you hadn't gone through what you've gone through and what you've experienced and endured and had to overcome. Storytelling is one of the most powerful therapeutic ways to process emotional pain and past trauma and free yourself from the box that you're trapped in. And there's only one way to get the invite for that if you're not one of my regular clients in the next chapter, and that's to be on my email list. So get in the show notes and add yourself to that list so you can join us next month. And join me next week for a very special episode with Ruth Fearnow, who is a licensed therapist 
who has written a book called Therapeutic Mindfulness, a completely new and very simple, highly effective strategy for processing the energy behind your emotions in real time. I asked so many questions that Ruth did a session on me. So you'll get to listen as Ruth guides me through the process, and then you'll be able to do it on your own. So tune in next week. I'll see you then.